Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. A busy Tuesday coming up. We're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Brian. Uh, Brian works with a lot of golfers and this discussion sort of revolved around capturing um, very specific positions through the golf swing and then the influence of pressing activity, specifically overhead pressing uh, with golfers as uh, potential interference to these positions. And so this just lends itself to the fact that we have to understand the secondary consequences of this, the exercises that we select and, and how we program as to whether we're enhancing the capabilities that we're trying to influence or whether we're interfering with them. And in many cases, um, too much force production for too long a period of time can be interference in some of these activities that require the demonstration of velocity. Or if we prolong a position, um, we then could create potential interference to that velocity. So uh, gains in force production are not always favorable. So thank you, Brian, for asking such a good question. Um, probably gonna be useful for a lot of people. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I will see you tomorrow. Okay, so continuation kind of a, a pause line of thought, but uh -huh. you know what you know where I'm gonna take this, right? I'm taking it to the uh, golf swing. Oh, okay. I, I, I would be shocked and amazed if we didn't talk about golf, young man. So with the the reaching versus like the uh the hard style press, yeah. Uh I'm I'm thinking in the golf swing. Um with max p at the the top and then left arm parallel and transition essentially we've got a we've got a um a middle middle piece gap position right in those scenarios during the that timing of the swing yeah so so everything is everything's going to compress um a to p at the now keep in mind it's a twist right you understand that that we're turning yeah Okay. Yeah. So um, you got to look at it from like, look at it as the foot perspective. Okay. Okay. So um, you would have, if I step forward with my right foot, land in early, go through middle, max P, late ER. Okay. And then the other foot lands and that goes early, middle, max P, late. Okay. So as I'm turning, I'm creating that strategy on one side. Okay. And then as I turn in the other direction, I have to create that strategy on the other side. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So just so we're clear, so we don't, so we don't turn this into a symmetrical representation until it needs to be a symmetrical representation, yeah. which will be yeah. from, from that parallel point to impact. Got it. Even then it wouldn't be symmetrical if you're like a narrow ISA kind of guy. And you've seen that a million times where you'll see the guys kind of over one leg as they're at impact. And you see the other guys that are kind of square to the ball when they're, when they're at impact. Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking from a standpoint of, okay, to maintain that differential from left to right, like a lot of the pressing activities, they just create a ton of interference, right? Because. And they certainly can. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so a golfer in my mind would be um, in most cases better off working on uh, unilateral, like a, a lighter resistance activity. So they maintain that differential. That well, be what's the goal? Hang on, hang on. Okay. What's the goal? 
is the okay. goal to maintain. Hang on. It's real simple because you kind of said it. Yeah. If the goal is to maintain the ability to create the differential, then the maximum load would interfere with that. Okay. But what if I'm trying to increase the peak force output at the turnaround? Yeah, exactly. Then I, then I want. Yeah. See it? But, it's like there's a time and a place for everything. Okay. But with a narrow, that, that would be a pulse of IR I'd want, again, versus a wide where I have a longer IR, correct? I love the way you're thinking. I love the way you're thinking. And, and when you say the word pulse like that, that makes me smile um, all over the place because, because that's that's exactly the, the strategy that we want to think about. So think about like you could have the right intention and then the execution is incorrect because instead of keeping the, the force output within that small window of opportunity, you expand that. And now you created, instead of having the relative motion turn and then the quick impulse of the turnaround, you went squeeze, 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 and then a release, and then it's slow. In that scenario, you create a case where you have to start using orientations to create a turn, right? You, well, you have to because you, because you couldn't release the tension fast enough to create relative motions anymore, right? Yep. You see it? You just, you, you literally, like your honorable intentions had the right idea, just the execution in context was incorrect. So the result that you got created interference instead of supporting the, the desired outcome. Good morning, happy Monday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, we are back at it um, after a little bit of a uh, rest over the weekend with the holiday. Um, a quick housekeeping item, iFash University members, we have called today at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are not on iFash University, please go to ifashuniversity.com, get yourself signed up, and please join us for that call at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Digging straight into today's Q&A though, uh, this was Annette, and Annette is fairly new to the Coffee and Coaches Conference call and, and, to, and to the model, so she asked a foundational question about yielding insight, what interferes with our, our yielding capabilities. Well, yield is the expanded representation of connective tissue behavior. So anything that would interfere with that, that doesn't allow us to achieve a gradient of the yielding representation and the overcoming representation of connective tissues will create interference. So anything that would be associated with a learned behavior that would create a compressive strategy. So anything, any of our compensatory uh, strategies that we would see superficially, concentric orientation of musculature, etc., that would keep or maintain tension on these connective tissues and not allow that gradient to occur will interfere with yielding. And so we cover that. Um, we, we, th this is also influenced by the water content of the tissue. So as we age and dehydrate, we tend to see a loss of this, this yielding capability. We'll see this in tendinopathy as well. Um, so there's a, a number of representations that we may see where yielding is, is interfered with. Um, and uh, if we can appreciate this, I think we can be a little bit more effective with our, our treatment strategies and, and some of our training strategies. And we actually cover that a little bit at the end of the, of the conversation. Um, and that's got a, a background in, in martial arts. And so we talked about how we can actually use that as a favorable influence to restoring or maintaining our yielding capabilities. So thank you, Annette, for your question. Everybody have an outstanding Monday and I'll see you tomorrow. Annette. Hi. Really? I, I have some uh, general questions about the yielding uh, representation. 
so since we live in, in a culture which promotes uh, more concentric and more uh, uh, quick quick movements, more uh, contracted contractions uh, in the body and uh, in my case, I feel I'm losing the, the yielding uh, um, capability like so I, I wanted to ask a general question. How can you promote this uh, quality of yielding in the movement uh, or to be more accurate? Um, how, how do you um, uh, pinpoint the resistance that there is in the body that blocks the, the ability to yield? And um, uh, in relationship to, to this question also, uh, the, uh, I wanted to ask if the if the yielding uh, representation uh, is always ag uh, against uh, a support uh, like like uh, and if this support has to be the the ground the gravity or or it can be a yielding on on other other uh, areas in the body like on. on against other tissues like the skeleton. Um. Yeah, so, all right. Um, so no matter what movement you're making, okay, you can, you can create a, a yield by creating a compressive strategy as long as you have the yielding capability, right? So if you have a learned behavior, which is creating a compressive strategy on say the front and the back side of the body at the same time, you get squeezed right between them, right? So one of the goals when you're trying to restore relative motion is to be able to produce these compressive strategies, but also create the shape that allows the yield to occur. So this is why this is one of the reasons why you superimpose breathing on top of things is because the air follows the path of least resistance and allows the shape changes to occur. Um, however, you mentioned you, the, like ground contact has a lot to do with, with yielding because that's how we create the potential energy that we use to move through space. So we take the ground contact, we absorb the energy into the tissues. So this is the expanded representation of connective tissue, which is the yield. So the yield represents potential energy, right? So it's like pulling back the rubber band, expanding the, the, the balloon, it's pushing down on the trampoline. Right. So when you when you push down the trampoline, the trampoline expands and it throws you back up in the other direction. Right. That's what we're trying to produce with connective tissues. So you can produce this within yourself. But it, but in in a lot of cases where we might be working with somebody in rehab that's had pain related issues or an athlete that that has restricted movement, they have they have uh, such a strong uh, behavior that they can't produce the gradient between the compressed and the expanded representations. Uh -huh. That's where manual therapies come into play. That's where ground contacts come into play. That's where uh, leading resistances come into play because we can use the resistance to create compression in one space and then expansion in the other. The goal is to create the gradient between the two because that's what movement is. Movement requires a gradient. If I take away your entire gradient, you can't move at all. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I and, and so, so all of the things that you mentioned, 
um, are possible. It just depends on the context and the circumstance and the individual. It's like, what, what learned behaviors do they have, right? What capacity do they have? So um, as we get older, our, our connective tissues dehydrate. Well, connective tissue behavior is dependent on water behavior. If we don't have enough water content in those tissues, we have given up part of that yielding capability, right? And so you do the best that you can under those circumstances, right? You make sure that whatever, you know, capabilities that you have are, are intact. And so that's like, this is where like some of the nutritional stuff comes into play. We don't talk about that too much because um, yeah. it's, it's kind of all over the place as far as nutrition goes, but but just making sure that you're that you're hydrated so you can move might be useful. Yeah, actually, this I, I, I refer to this direction. What can we do in our in our daily life to promote an environment that uh, encourages the, the yielding the and and also what is what is the difference between the yielding, true yielding, and collapsing into into ourselves? Well, a collapse a collapse doesn't necessarily require expansion. So, so Alex's question at the beginning of the call was talking about somebody that was actually collapsing towards the ground, but was not expanding. They were just bending. So, so they, they were fully compressed and then creating a bend to try to create a space to move into, to breathe into. So, so we, we can't, we can't use that as a representation of expansion per se. Okay. Um, Compression, if a downward compression can create an expansion. So even in a worst case scenario, uh, we, we also talked about a wide ISA that was compressed to A to P. Well, they expand sideways, but it takes away all of their turns. Um, it takes away all the relative motions, but that's the direction that they do expand under that circumstance. But if I take that away, then all you have then is, is like I said, the bending capabilities that we were talking about before. So a narrow, um, a narrow ISA would be more prone to expansion, right? By structure, but it but it doesn't mean that they will expand because the the longer they spend time on Earth, the more compressed that they're going to be, right? Um, the more active they are, the greater the compressive strategy that they will learn, and so they still have to learn how to manage their capabilities so they can maintain their expansion. Right, they still have the same muscles on the outside of the body. They're still going to create the compressive strategies to move, right? So the compensations make it uh, difficult to, you know, to say I narrow is more uh, yielding and. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the the best strategies to maintain yielding capabilities. Yes. To move a lot. Okay. So, all right, here you go. Uh, when you were when you were studying Taekwondo, are you still studying Taekwondo? No, I I, I quitted. Ten okay, minutes. all right, hang on. But you did forms, right? They taught yes. you forms. Okay. Forms. Yes. Okay. So, so all of those forms require a shape change. Right. All of the forms are in contact with the ground. Okay. One of the one of the coolest little activities. Um, that you can give folks that are that are more challenged in regards to yield is something that's slow and methodical, like like Tai Chi forms, because they require transitions of of center of gravity, changes in your base of support. There, it's it's not forced breathing, 
right? It's a little bit slower. It's a lower level of muscle activity. It's very mindful. So when we talk about activities on the ground, like lazy rolling, it's very similar to the process that we would use with Tai Chi forms. Right. Right. Okay. You know, I remember uh, the, the, the uh, one idea that was very prevalent, you know, when you do the, the punch, uh -huh. uh, uh, he was talking a lot about releasing, releasing, like you have to, to be very, very soft in the, in the fist and the arm in right. order to make the burst, in order to make the... Right. Okay. So, th so, here's, so here's where that comes from. So remember, we talk about internal rotation producing force. Yes. External rotation velocity. Okay. Yes. High measures of, of muscle output cannot be demonstrated at the same time you're demonstrating velocity. Mm -hmm. Because it is the release of it is the release of the energy that you had stored. So there's initial <clears throat> right? There's initial tension, relaxation, tension again. Yes. Right? This okay. is the gradient that you will. Absolutely, about. there you go. So, so once again, it's like you're creating that you're creating that um, that pressure differential that allows the velocity to be demonstrated. Because again, if I hold my breath and I squeeze everything really tightly, it's like my punch is really slow. You know, Bill. So I reached the point that the, the order to yield is done also with compression, like it is becoming. Uh, <laughs> okay, so hang on. So when, when, the, when the muscle compresses very quickly, right? The connective tissue behavior has to follow. Yes. So you're doing it all the time, right? as long as you have a gradient, right? When we talk about rate of force development, okay? Um, the muscle is tuning the connective tissue behavior to produce the outcome. Uh -huh. Right, so so we can produce, we can we can make connective tissue changes without a representation of active movement, because the muscle is changing its shape. It's changing the shape of the connective tissues, and it's going to release the energy. So um, there's certain qualities um, like uh, starting strength. Right, is force that's produced before you start to move. Well, how is that even possible? Because the muscle is changing its length relative to the connective tissue behavior. So you're producing the yield in the connective tissue behavior without ever moving. So the muscle moves, it, it lengthens the connective tissue, puts it in a yielding position, and then you initiate the movement and you move quicker. You can move faster because you learned how to produce force very, very quickly. That tunes the connective tissue and then you release the energy. So that's how that 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 works. So you have to you have to be able to create the gradient within the muscle itself. You have to be able to create the gradient within the segment of the body um, um, itself, and then you have to look at the body as a whole as far as the shape that's changing. So it's so it's it's just a fractal representation, right? Yes. Everything that's small does the same thing that everything that's big. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm still pondering. So, what I would do, what I what I would do in that is I would start rolling around on the ground and I would start start working on your uh, taekwondo forms again. Good morning, happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand, and it is perfect. Good morning. Um, 
So I, I was hoping you could offer some uh, strategy input on something I'm struggling with, which is a bit of like a more of an end game representation where you get really, really strong like DR compression um, and then the like enlarging ERing of the, the lower thorax that someone like is fighting to get uh -huh. I know the ER. Uh, I think it happens mostly in wides. Where they get really, like, really wide? They get really, really big, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I assume that's when they're getting to the the point where they're they're fighting to get a breath in. Um, I have a hard time with them. So, well, first, I assume the the progression that I'm trying to go in is I'm trying to get that area to IR a little bit, um, and lying on the lying on the side, I assume would be beneficial. The issue I have there is sometimes I feel like the scapula gets so pinned um, that I have a hard time. Like you can't even get your fingers under the edge. Yeah. And then as soon as they lie on the side, it goes like, whoosh. yep. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of the problem I'm running into. So I was wondering if you had any uh, thoughts or inputs to assist me with that. Yeah, I, I would probably pass them off to another therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send them to you. I like to I like to keep my outcomes, you know, at a certain level. And it's like when anybody that's hard, I just pass them on. No, no I'm kidding. Um, you, I think I think you're absolutely right about where to start them. But but the 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 thing you're going to run into here is they're going to have so much anterior posterior compressive strategy that's that's layered on. Like this is where you're going to have to lay some hands. Um, you might be able to you might be able to create. Um, a reduction in some of the concentric orientation with with some like scapular PNF uh, kind of stuff where you would but but you're gonna have to start passively. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like taking like a like a like a short arc roll on the side, and so you're gonna trap the. So they're on their let's say they're on the right side. You got your your left arm underneath their left arm, so your hands on the front of the shoulder girdle, your right hands on the back, so you got to get really good control of the of the, uh, the the shoulder girdle um you can you can start to move them through some like scapular pnf diagonals but you're going to do it like crazy slow really easy they're going to prevent you they're going to try to stop you from moving you've got to get a reduction in the in the the concentric orientation that that's mm -hmm. the thing that you're up against the most this is a a, a really strong learned strategy of of them really struggling to move air Right. At this at this point with something like that, I'm just like, relax, breathe through your nose. Just yeah, stop it's like, it's your like head off the don't table. drive. Like the the worst thing you could do would be to drive anything effortful. Yeah, like if you ask them to move, uh, they're going to use every muscle that they have at the same time because they're. So think about this. Um, we, and we, the, we we talked about this with, with Dante with the with the ER orientation where where you just get this progressive reduction of. Of relative motions like this is this is one of those people that's at the end of all of their relative motions it's like so you have nothing to work with you have to create the gradient and so that's what you're gonna have to do this is this is boring slow methodical annoying type of therapy right because you can't pull them out of it you can't stretch them out of it like you, you don't want to yank and pull on things all they do is feel miserable um, and, and so everything you're doing is about getting the reduction of, 
of uh, of constant orientation. So this is these are your soft tissue techniques. But like like some of the like um, if you go back to like uh, neuro in school, and and they they talk about the the rotational oscillations to reduce uh, neuro the the neurologically driven muscle tone. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It's it works under all circumstances of of increased muscle activity. And so, so that's basically what you're going to try to do, but you're going to have to do it in small doses in, in, in segments, because if you try to do a global, like lazy roll with these people, they are just going to lock everything together and, yeah. and they, they don't have any of that segmental uh, capabilities. Um, and then hopefully you get to the point where they do start to sense this, this tension and then you can actually teach them something to follow up with at home. But you're probably going to be spending more, more manual time here, just teaching them how to downregulate the, the muscle activity. So um, go ahead. At home for, for homework, would I give them essentially like a like a lazy rolling for just the shoulder? Uh -huh. Work on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I feel like one of the problems I run into as well is. And I mean, this is mostly a cueing thing, but when they try and breathe in, they, they'll end up taking that big breath in or even on a smaller scale, a big breath, and they'll just get it where they already get it. Um, do you do you ever like apply just a little bit of gentle pressure to that area, like to the lower thorax as they're rolling? Yeah, so this is this that. is where this is where you might have them in sideline, but sideline over a pillow. Yeah. Because, because what that would do then, and again, we can go back to Dante's question. It's like, you look at the curve. It's like, I'm creating this compression on one side to get the expanded representation on the other side. So if I can create a, like a short arc of, of movement um, in, in like a long axis roll over the pillow, I'm creating this, this subtle gradient that goes across the, mm -hmm. the, the thorax. Now, the, like I said, the thing that you're going to have to do, though, it's like, and you're absolutely right. It's like they're just going to stick with the path of least resistance, which is that what appears to be the expanded uh, area of that thorax, like anterior lower, right? Which yeah. is why, which is why you're going to have to to drive shoulder girdle, lower cervical, that kind of a thing, because that's where you have to alleviate all of this this muscle activity um, to to restore the gradient. Okay. And then it'll be the same thing in the pelvis. Um, but but I think I think if you if you spend a little bit more time on the thorax and then you start to get some some measure of reduction there where they can actually increase their airflow. Because you want to like think about this, you've got a tremendous amount of compression on the neck mm. under that circumstance. Right. So if if I walk up to you and I put you in a in a rear naked choke with pressure on your trachea, that's how they're living, right? You gotta alleviate that, that muscle tension, okay? So head position becomes important. Um, I've, I've definitely run into a wall, so to speak, at the pelvis and then moved to the, like the shoulder girl and had a lot more success. Yeah, I, there's, think, you think about the constraints, right? It's like, okay, I. I got a scap that's basically attached to the rest of the body by 17 muscles. Like there's a couple of, you know, weak joints, if you will, you know, relative to you go down to the hip and the pelvis and you go, okay, the SI ligaments, strongest ligaments in your 
in your body. It's like not a lot of movement going on there. Um, so, so you got a better shot. And, and again, probably a more, more immediately useful strategy by alleviating the pressure on the neck. Okay. But you're going to have to do it from the side because if, especially a wide, if you put them on their back and if you try to, if you try to put them in a head position that, that would open the airway, like, it, like if you had to do CPR on a, on a compressed wide ISA, right? Yeah. It doesn't go well. Yeah. Cause they all lie on the table. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so sideline tends to be your, tends to be your better shot, but, but this is where, this is where you pull out like the, the crazy gentle. So um, short arc rolls for the cervical spine. Okay. So um, you could pull out like an old Feldenkrais technique. Um, you put their hand on their forehead in sideline. Okay. And then you say, I want you to, I want you to turn your hand with your neck as slowly and gently as possible. And so then this becomes the exercise. Now they're laying on a pillow in sideline. Okay. All right. But you do like a head driven roll and then you do a hand driven roll because what you're going to, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get them to sense what is driving the show, okay? So if I teach them to move their hand, that teaches me, this is how my neck moves. And then when I do it with the hand, the neck actually learns to relax. Mm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a cute little trick to make them aware of all of this muscle tone. Sounds okay. miserable. It's, it's miserable on the, okay. So, so here you go. Uh, if you got somebody that, that, that practices meditation, they do really well with it because you, you say, this is your meditation. Like this is your mindfulness, but most people don't like to be inside their head this long. And it's really hard. It's very, very difficult. Um, so maybe you put on, you know, um, I don't know, some classical music that you just can't stand that doesn't have any words to it. You put that on in the background, you get a little lavender scent to fill up the room and you, put, you paint the walls purple. Okay, um, and and maybe you get them to to calm down and, and enjoy it on some level. I don't know. It's hard. It, it and I tell people right away. I said this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done because it doesn't feel like you're doing anything, and it takes a tremendous amount of concentration. 